Okay. Now, last week, when we were talking about um, the story of the beggar who had no hands as being a teaching from Rabbi Nachman on the idea of healing from, the, from a Kabbalistic standpoint, from a very deep place. And he was saying that, um, he was talking about the ten forms of melody that are the ten psalms, are found in the ten psalms that he called the general remedy. In Hebrew, it is called Tikkun HaKlali. And so just to refresh your memory in case you have forgotten, and I know that I heard from uh, one of our people in the class that over the last week she did read the psalms that she and her husband both went over the psalms and saw how deep they are, how touching they are, and how it can really change a person's life. It can change your perspective. It can give you a deeper um, connection. So I'm going to read the list again in case anybody didn't get it. These Psalms are 16, 32, 41, 42, 59, 77, 90, 105, 137, and 150. Now, one of the things that Rabbi Nachman said quite a bit is that the basic cause of illness is unhappiness and the greatest healer is joy. Now, I understand that this sounds like a simplistic idea, a simplistic view of illness. And it's not meant in a simple way at all. It's a very, very deep concept. So tonight, we're going to talk about that. All the illness that people suffer come only because of lack of joy. And this is something that Rabbi Nachman said very often. And, of course, at first sight, it does look like it's a very um, simplistic thing, like I was saying. Does he really mean that all illness is caused only by lack of joy? It just seems unbelievable that that can be possible because there's so many complex things. The human body is amazingly complex. It is enough to look at any medical guide to see the enormous number of conditions and illnesses that can afflict the various body parts and systems. Surely they have all kinds of different causes. There are bacterial and viral infections, flu, diarrhea, measles, chickenpox, and many more. Do all these strike only because people who contract them, many of them children, suffer from a lack of simcha, a lack of joy? This is the Hebrew for joy. According to medical authorities, genetic predisposition is an important factor in conditions ranging from tie sacs to cancer, heart and other diseases. How can we say that these two are caused by lack of simcha? What about the deterioration and degeneration of bodily tissues that comes with age, leading to arthritis, diabetes, heart disease, and so on? What about the many medical problems related to people's occupations or the climates they live in? Are these two to be blamed on lack of simcha 
And what about the growing incidence of cancer, leukemia, asthma, and other diseases related to millions of tons of toxic chemicals being poured into the atmosphere as a result of industrial processes, automobile exhaust, and so on? Can environmentally caused diseases also be connected to a lack of simcha? It's not too difficult to name various medical problems that are seemingly exceptions to Rabbi Nachman's general statement, but it would be a pity to allow this to obscure the main point Rabbi Nachman is making. Conventional medicine is skeptical about anything that cannot be measured in the blood or seen under a microscope. Western doctors tend to focus on detectable physical changes in the bones, muscles, tendons, organs, skin, nerves, veins, arteries, blood, hormones, etc., etc. Disorders are attributed to the physical intervention of bacteria, viruses, parasites, organic or chemical toxins, excessive intake of fat, inadequate vitamins, and so on. But Rebbe Nachman is not talking about the physical course of disease. He is asking us to pay attention to something even more primary. What is the root cause of the physical problem? What are the underlying mental and spiritual factors that cause the body to become susceptible to illness in the first place? In fact, Rebbe Nachman's statement made almost 200 years ago predates much contemporary thinking about the non-physical roots of many kinds of bodily illness. In order to gain further understanding of what Rabbi Nachman is saying, let's first take a look at the terms he uses when talking about the flaw in Simcha. In the main, he uses two terms, Mara Shchora and Atzvut. The Hebrew term mara shchora means black bile. The word mara comes from the biblical root mar, meaning bitter. Mar appears in the Talmud to refer both to the physical bile and to the kind of irritable, aggressive behavior that was sought to result from an excess of bile. In the Zohar and Kabbalistic writings and other rabbinical literature, Mara Shchora refers simply to sadness, depression, and similar states. It corresponds to the word melancholy, which derives from two Greek words meaning black bile, congealed blood from the spleen thought to be the cause of sorrow, hopelessness, apathy, and withdrawal. The word atzvut is a noun formed from the biblical root atzav, meaning to be grieved or pained. But atzvut does not refer only to what is classified as clinical depression in the narrower sense of the term. It also covers a wide variety of other negative states such as frustration, worry, anxiety, impatience, irritability, fear, aggressiveness and hostility. In essence, Atzvut and Marashchora are the states we fall into when we fail to find satisfaction and joy in what is, 
or was in the past or seems likely to be in the future. These are terms that apply to the various complexes of disappointment, sorrow, sadness, anger, bitterness, aggressiveness, pessimism, withdrawal, and the like that may arise when we look at ourselves, our lives, and our circumstances and judge them to have fallen short of the criteria set for ourselves. For Rabbi Nachman, the root of sorry, lies in a person's inability to accept the way God is dealing with him or her. Atzvut is like someone who is angry and enraged as if he's fuming against God and complaining against him for not arranging things the way he wants them to be. And this is a sign of arrogance. It is as if one is saying, I want to be in complete control. I want to have everything my way. Instead of accepting that God governs all things, that he is good and beneficial, that everything he sends is for the best. True health involves more than normal bodily functioning. It is to be vital and alive, not to let our lives go to waste on negativity, frustration, and depression. When Rabbi Nachman says that all illnesses that people suffer come only from a lack of joy, is not necessarily referring to only to kinds of complaints that would be recognized as illnesses by today's medical practitioners. His statement includes all the maladies, mental, psychological, and spiritual, as well as physical, that shorten and destroy people's lives. Now recently I had a conversation with somebody who um, has been doing a lot of research and reading because his wife, a very dear friend of mine, has uh, a terminal illness. And he was talking about how she had suffered trauma in her life. And as he was researching about other people who had had um, very serious illness, many times it was preceded by some trauma or a series of traumas in their lives. And this caused them to just go into this depression, feeling inadequate, feeling like they failed. And many times this is a very, very hard for us to shake. And it's almost like beyond us. And here Rebbe Nachman is saying that um, Atzavut is like somebody who's angry at God. But on the other hand, it can be that the person is angry at himself. That he's fallen short of what he feels that he should be. And other people in his life who are close to him bear this out. They, they say, oh, you failed me, you did this, you did that. And especially if, if the person doing the talking is a ch- your child or your, your spouse or something like this, it can really hit very, very deep. And that's one of the reasons that we have to be really careful about the words that we say because the words that we say can be so damaging to another person. It can be damaging to ourselves but it can be damaging to another person. You know how there's a, a childhood rhyme that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That's ridiculous. Words have a terrible um, possible hurting effect on somebody else or even on yourself. And so we have to really watch what we say with our words because our words have creative power. 
and the words that we say can attack another person and just like what Rabbi Nachman is saying it can trigger an illness because what happens is the person has these emotions and it can't handle the emotions and so it actually goes into physicality that the physical body takes on this like punishing him because he feels like he failed like he's unworthy like you know all this and so his physicality actually takes this on and sometimes it can be so serious that a person can be ha become fatally ill he can die from this it, this is how serious it is and so I mean this is something that a lot of times we don't think about we think oh you know words can't do that words whatever I say and oh they'll get over it and all this and we don't put those things together what Rebbe Nachman is giving to us here is the connection it's the connection of those feelings that can evolve into a physical manifestation they can actually cause a person to become very very sick even to the point of dying so it's something that we you know we should change our thinking about that of what we do what we say what we you know do to somebody else and even to ourselves what we say to ourselves about ourselves what we say to ourselves about other people because sometimes our disappointment in somebody else can cause us to become depressed you know we're, I'm disappointed because my children did not achieve what I wanted them to achieve you know something like this and so it, we have to come to a place where we can really give these things over to Hashem and we can really and truly say Hashem is control of my life and to really live that life of faith in order to not let our simcha, our joy and I'm not talking about joy where we're running around laughing and singing all the time I'm not talking about that I'm talking about an inner contentment an inner faith that we know that whatever is going on for good or for bad that Hashem is in control of our lives and we can really trust Him this is something that's really hard for us to come to hard for us to trust you know a lot of times we talk about love we talk about you know faithfulness but we also trust and we think sometimes about love like if this person loves me well he will do this this and this well that's conditional if you're in a relationship with somebody you have every right to to expect certain conditions to be fulfilled I mean it's reasonable you have a right to expect certain conditions in certain relationships however the love that you have for that person cannot be dependent on any kind of circumstances being fulfilled for you otherwise it's not really love love is no matter what happens you're still going to love that person however you might not still trust that person those are two separate things and a lot of times we put those two things together well if I can't trust him then I can't love him that's not really accurate if you really understand about love and so it, it's it's a matter also of judging another person 
And yeah, there is that separation of love and trust. But to be able to, to continue to love that person, that is like giving it up, giving up that um, judgment that is going to cause you to turn against him. And this is how Hashem really loves us. And there is a condition to certain things in our relationship with Hashem too. I mean, we have conditions. He gives us laws that he wants us to fulfill, to, to um, obey. And if we obey those laws, then we're close to him. If we don't obey those laws, then we're not close to him. Now, it's not that he doesn't love his creation. He loves his creation. But there is, there are certain conditions in being close to him or not close to him. And we can look at relationships with other people in the same way. Sometimes a person, a relationship with a certain person is very damaging. And you can say, okay, this relationship is damaging to me. So I'm going to separate from the relationship. But you don't say, I don't love that person anymore. That's a separate thing. Now, a lot of times, this is very, very much connected with this subject of atzvut, of depression, of our feelings, you know, of feelings about ourselves. For instance, if a person is in a very damaging relationship, that relationship can cause him to have untrue thoughts about himself. And he can become very depressed because of those untrue thoughts about himself. And what Rabbi Nachman is saying here is essentially that this will open a door for the person to be susceptible to illness because he has these false views of himself. Instead of looking at himself through the lens of the Torah and through the lens of how does Hashem see me? And like we were talking about in our class last night, where we go to that space inside, and we go to the touchstone deep inside our souls, and we touch that place, that place of who we really are and who Hashem is to us, the truth, without any mask. And we go to that place, and this is very healing, because that is the place where we can say, all of these judgments fall away. I'm going to see myself in a unique way that Hashem sees me. And this is a very healing thing for us to do. For us to meditate and to go inside and touch that touchstone, the foundation of who we are. Many times it takes a lifetime for us to be able to really do that. For us to be able to have all of the masks, all of the things, the roles of our lives just fall away and go inside ourselves and see who we really are. But it's something that we really need to do in order for us to have the truth so that we can shake off those opinions of other people or even false opinions of ourselves. Because how many times do we get disappointed in ourselves and we say, oh, I'm just a failure. I can never do right. Or I'm just a klutz. Whatever we say about ourselves, these negative things, they can just pile up 
and they can cause us to go into this atzvut or this marash chora, the states of un, of dissatisfaction with ourselves. And we have to understand how dangerous that is, because it robs us of the joy that Hashem means for us to have. The joy that comes from the closeness to Him. And this is where we get our healing, is from being close to Him and having a true picture of who He created us to be. Did He create us to be garbage? Did He create us to be a failure? Did He just say, oh, you're just a cosmic joke in the world and then just throwing you out there? No. And when we think that, we're actually thinking negatively about Hashem himself you know and so this is the thing this is why coming into this changing our minds changing our mindset is actually coming to a place where we can see Hashem too in truth and we can truly praise him in the world and this brings healing from the very, very core of our soul, of our being, brings the healing that can then radiate out into our physicality. So Rabbi Nachman isn't just speaking of spiritual maladies, but also of actual physical illness. It's obvious that Atzvut and the confusion, irritability, and rash impulsiveness and carelessness that may accompany it lie behind many of the tragic fatalities and injuries caused by all kinds of accidents. How many times do we have an accident because we're just not focusing? Our attention is somewhere else because we're distracted by something that is happening in our lives. In addition, as the underlying reason for many people's excessive eating, smoking and drinking, Atsvut is the root cause of many of much heart disease and cancer and other health problems ravaging our society. How many times do we do these things that are so self-destructive? And we're not even thinking about it because we're just so busy just trying to make ourselves just kind of soothe ourselves, console ourselves with whatever. And many times it, it's like, and you think about a baby with a pacifier, just something into that baby's mouth to make him stop crying. And even as we grow up, we find ourselves doing that same kind of thing. Whether we're drinking too much, or we're eating too much, or we're smoking, it's into the mouth. Something to cause us to just be um, pacified. Literally, like a pacifier. Something to be pacified us. So that we feel a little bit better. Oh, I'm just going to dive into that chocolate. That's one of my deals. Dive into that chocolate and I'll just feel better. Dive into that bag of cookies and, oh, I'll just feel better. Well, I'll feel better for a second or two. But then what happens? Atsuk can have even more direct effect upon the body. Significantly, the very word Atsvut has definite physical connotations. As in the verse, he binds up their wounds. And this is also from the root Atzvut. And the first time the Hebrew root appears in the Bible is when God said to Eve, I will greatly multiply your pain and travail. In pain shall you bring forth children. 
the pain is felt through the nerves and thus atzvut is connected to the Hebrew word etzev which means nerve so we can think about atzvut also like nervousness you know, it's from the word etzev from nerve the nerves are the communication system between the mind and the brain on the one hand and the rest of the body on the other not only does the nervous system carry information to the brain from our skin, sense organs, muscles, blood vessels, and internal organs, it also includes the so-called etheric neurons that carry orders away from the brain to influence specific body parts and systems in particular ways. The nervous system transmits motor signals to the skeletal muscles initiating movement. It also controls involuntary unconscious functions such as our breathing, the blood circulation, digestion, and secretions of hormones that govern critical bodily processes. There are two divisions of the automatic nervous system, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. In the simplest terms, the word for the sympathetic could be said to involve with arousal, while that of the parasympathetic is involved with calming. The sympathetic nervous system is perhaps the most direct link between our minds and our bodies, translating emotional states almost instantaneously into physical changes in the body. The sympathetic nervous system responds especially to anxiety, fear, and anger. The effect of these is to send nerve impulses causing the release of stimulatory hormones that influence bodily functioning in, in a variety of ways. The heart rate speeds up, the lungs move more rapidly, the entire digestive system is inhibited from the salutary glands causing the dry mouth associated with anxiety to the entire 25 feet of the intestines. The liver releases large quantities of stored sugar into the bloodstream, making more glucose available to the skeletal muscles, increasing their contraction. While the entire body tends to be drawn into a defensive half-crouch with shoulders and head thrust forward, the abdomen tightly drawn in, the knees bent, hands tense, and eyes moving rapidly. In face of a real threat, this so-called fight-or-flight response is entirely appropriate. It gears the body for a burst of action, either to confront the danger head-on or physically run away to escape it. The problems arise when our everyday fears and anxieties lead to the same response without our having any direct outlet for energetic action. Our blood remains flooded with sugar and arousing hormones leaving us shaking overstimulated our muscles stay tensed and our heart rate and blood pressure remain unnecessarily high long after the initial stimulus and this is where mental anxiety turns into chronic physical tension and I was reading a book um, oh, I can't remember his name but anyway he is a dermatologist and he was talking about how this state of anxiety actually causes inflammation in the tissues 
and it causes aging. It causes wrinkling, it causes um, aging in us because um, the stress, the stress of it, this pouring of the sugar into the body and so on, it's stressful. So the role of stress, in many cases, causes cardiovascular disease, the chief cause of premature death in the industrialized world, and is now established beyond any doubt. Adrenaline or epinephrine, the hormone produced by the stimulation of the sympathetic nervous system, releases fats into the blood that may end up in the plaque that blocks the coronary arteries. Another hormone, noradrenaline, causes blood platelets to clump together, increasing the chances of a blood clot that could precipitate a heart attack. When released in large quantities, as in the case of hostile encounters, noradrenaline can lead to heart rhythm disturbances that can sometimes be fatal. The part played by anxiety and tension in many other physical conditions is also well documented. Medical authorities acknowledge that some 80% of digestive disorders, from nervous indigestion and stomach ulcers to colon cancer, have no obvious physical cause. Stress can be a factor in diabetes, thyroid failure, and many other disorders. Doctors point to worry, frustration, financial insecurity, and marital discord as the most usual conditions that bring on arthritis. Excessive muscular tension can distort the body in innumerable ways, giving rise to chronic fatigue, all kinds of back pain, migraine, and a host of other problems. The physiological effects of the various manifestations of atzvut, from frayed nerves, negativity and aggressiveness, to chronic depression and despair, are the subject of the new science of psychoneuroimmunology, which investigates the influence of mental factors on the functioning of the body's immune system. The advent of AIDS has highlighted the importance of a healthy immune system in fending off disease by showing what happens when immunity is weakened. A growing body of evidence points to the, to the decisive role of mental states and attitudes in ailments ranging from colds and flu to cancer. No one today disputes the damaging effects on health of habitual overindulgence, heavy smoking, drinking, and other forms of abuse, all of which are clearly rooted in Atsvut. But while the more subtle long-term effects are demoralization, despondency, and other forms of conscious and unconscious Atsvut may be far more difficult to measure, this does not make them any less significant. They may be precisely the factors that explain why one member of a family with a genetic predisposition to a particular illness succumbs while other members of the same family do not, or why some people in a toxic environment develop certain diseases while others remain healthy. Looking more globally, the growing menace of environment-related diseases seems less bound up with the special lack of simcha in the innocent victims than with the overall contamination of the atmosphere by thousands of chemicals used in contemporary industrial processes in everyday life. 
scientific understanding of how many of these substances affect human beings is still elementary. Even so, there is little doubt that pollution is a main factor behind the steady increases in industrialized countries and incidents of all kinds of cancer, asthma, birth defects, and a variety of insidious problems of the nervous system, fatigue, faulty memory, inability to concentrate, irritability, and so on. Yet if we look beyond the manifest problem of the degradation of the environment to the mechanisms that drive it, the appetite for even greater consumption, and especially the mindless thirst for maximum profits, regardless of the long-term consequences, we see that their roots lie in the profound lack of simcha that pervades our society and culture as a whole. Is the absence of true simcha that fuels the insatiable craving for wealth, resources, and territory that is the cause not only of environmental despoilization but also of the most, most of the conflict within and between nations in our tortured world. Thus the stricken princess in Rebbe Nachman's story of the beggar with no hands symbolizes not only the individual Jewish soul but the divine presence itself which has been all but driven from the world by the arrows, the ten arrows that were shot at her, the arrows of global Atsu, manifest in the rampant materialism, hatred, violence, and other ills affecting our society. So we can look at that. We can see it even on a global scale that it is this dissatisfaction. It's dissatisfaction individually and we see it even collectively that we see it as the cause for the illness that we see around us in our societies, in our nations, nations against nations, the dissatisfaction, the poverty that we see, and then the, the nations wanting more and more and more. Never happy, never satisfied with what we have. We're trying to make a place that is where um, all of us can live in peace with each other. It's stepping on each other. It's always... And so the whole world, the whole world is suffering, the whole world is sick, and we can see this illness on the individual level caused by this and on a national, global, national and global level. So when we're praying for healing, when we're praying for healing for ourselves, we're praying that we can come closer to the Shem and we're working on that because we see that as the root, we're praying for healing for ourselves. It also shows us the way that we can pray for other people individually and for our societies and nations and the world as a whole to come to a healing. Because this is giving us a hint here of the root causes. It's causing a lot of problems that manifest themselves as illnesses. And we can't have the attitude, well, it's over there and it doesn't affect me and so I'm okay and we can't have that attitude because it does affect us. Every one of us is affected by what happens to the other person. And I said in one of our earlier classes that we can't take on everything but it gives us a hint of the, the hugeness of this whole thing. 
of how much there is to pray for that when we talk about praying for healing how big this subject is it's not just I mean something a lot of times we think of healing as being something that we can just categorize over here in its tiny little space it's not it affects absolutely everything why we have wars in the world it's a lack of simcha it's a lack of satisfaction that one has to overtake the other where one country feels it needs what the other country has or they have to show those people or teach them a lesson or whatever and so it shows us you know as we look at this as the root of what's wrong of what is the ailment even when we look at wars we can see that as an ailment of our world we can look at it like a sickness and we can see that see the root as being this lack of simcha so what do you think I mean I want some feedback from all of you what do you think about this this whole idea of a lack of simcha it's a different kind of thinking and if you have a microphone and you would like to speak that would be fine but I do want feedback from you because this is something that's really important for us to um, understand in many ways the manifestations of the physical illnesses in the world are a mirror of the spiritual illness in the world and that's right and one of the things is like the autoimmune um, illnesses that attack the um, immune system what is that what it is in the body it's where the body loses its understanding of what is good and what is bad and so literally like lupus the body is attacking itself it's attacking uh, the healthy parts the healthy um, cells are being attacked like they are an invading cell and that is exactly what Catherine just wrote is a mirror of the spiritual illness in the world where we have and we have a growing number of people who are suffering from these kind of diseases and and you can think about it like that that as we have these spiritual illnesses that it will be reflected in the world in people feeling these things physically and in our society where it's all upside down what is good what is bad bad is good good is bad right is wrong wrong is right and it's just upside down and we can see this reflected in this growing number of people so sometimes the person himself who gets this illness may not you know it's not his he's not at fault but he is a victim of what's going on in society as a whole so our doctors should really be focusing on mental health rather than finding cures for physical illnesses well <clears throat> I'm not saying that but if the doctor is treating the whole person yeah. holistic medicine he's treating the whole person it would be better than him just focusing on physical illness because you can see how the physical illness is literally a symptom of what is truly wrong 
that the root of what is wrong goes deeper even than the physical illness. And nowadays we'll hear doctors talking about not just the symptoms of the illness, but the actual cause of the symptoms. And so we want to treat the cause instead of just the symptoms. And, you know, in years gone by, all we did was treat the symptoms. Now we talk more about, well, what's causing those symptoms to happen. So here we have, okay, and then we have a physical cause of those symptoms, but what caused that physical cause? What's the root exactly, Dina? What is the root cause? And it goes deeper. It goes much, much deeper. So yes, a person needs to have relief from those physical symptoms. You know, like last week I was coughing my head off. And so I had to go to the doctor and get some medicine so I could get this cough taken care of. Because I talk on the phone all day and I can't talk on the phone if I don't have a voice. So I went and I treated that symptom. But what was the real cause of it? You know? I mean, there's stress in my life. Look at that. And I have to do some work. I have to get into those uh, psalms that are the tikkun haklali. I need to do that. Do you think some Eastern medical practices look at illness in a more complete way, body and spirit connection? Yes, they absolutely do. And so if we could bring together the West and the East, and that's happening a lot more now, that there's East and West coming together. Because Eastern medical practice does look more at this body and spirit connection. Chinese medicine, for instance, it, um, you know, with the acupuncture and acupressure and different things, it, it's a different kind of thinking from Western thinking. It looks at more of trying to get to the root cause of what's going on. And there are more doctors talking like this now. And you're right, Tina, it is a balance of energy. Absolutely. And in fact, in Chinese, um, it's called the qi. And the qi, and that's life energy. No, it's qi. Uh, what language it says qi? I think that's Japanese. In um, Chinese, it's qi. So if you have, um, if you've heard of the of the energy healing method called Reiki, Reiki, it's from two Chinese words. Rei meaning God or divine, and Qi is energy. Right, it Qi is Chinese. And so all of this is really very interesting. And it's something that we really need to uh, give serious attention to, is the whole idea of this um, simcha being necessary for us. So every day we need to be reading Psalms, we need to be praising Hashem. And another thing that is really, really important for raising the simcha in us is thankfulness. Because when we have illness, there is a damage in the left side of our spirit man, or spirit being. The left side, lower left side, the, lower, the left leg, it's the hode. Hode is 
thankfulness. It is um, confession. It is splendor. This is Hode. Hode was the is the sphera that is personified by the priest of the temple. Aaron personifies Hode. And so for Hode for us we we would practice thankfulness to Hashem, thankfulness to people around us, to to um build up our attitude, just like what Debbie says, our attitude of of gratitude of being thankful for what we have for being thankful for what has been in our lives for being thankful for what is coming in our lives and coming to a place of contentment do you see in Proverbs about God and his desire for balance in the world and our bodies right and that's another thing we can um, some people because there are 30 chapters of Proverbs and some people will take a chapter a day and they'll read a chapter of Proverbs every day there are different things that people can do for their um, studying of the Tanakh and all of it is good because the study of Torah brings us closer to Hashem and this is healing all of it, all of the study that we do is healing so we come from that place like we were talking about last night that place of brokenness we are broken because we need a healing and we study the Torah to come closer to Hashem that he can heal us and that we can come to him in this place of humility that results from the brokenness we shouldn't let the brokenness be destructive to where it destroys us but it should be a humility that brings us to Hashem in the right way those are two sides of the same coin and so we should do this in a way that is going to be um, uplifting to us so that we can get a healing and all of us needs this so is there any other are there questions or comments so a lot of times when we feel ourselves in st- under stress you'll feel yourself weaken it's almost like taking a rubber band and just stretching it out to where it's just as tight as it can be I mean at some point it's going to snap that's like our lives many times we stress let too many things get to us and the opposite of that what we can do about that is to turn those things that we're stressing over to Hashem in our prayers just lift those things up because many times those things are things we have no control over a lot of times when we're worrying over things in our lives we really can't do anything to change them but it still bothers us a lot and so these are the kinds of things that we should pray about and then you can even make up a little song you can just like sing this little song 
make up any tune you ha you want to, and just thank Hashem that He's taking care of that problem for you. That whatever is going to happen, He's working it out, however He sees as best. Because many times we will pray in such a way that we want to tell Hashem how to do His business. So it really isn't such a great idea because sometimes He has a different plan. As a matter of fact, most of the time he has a different plan. And it's better. And we'll go, Ah, oh, that was so much better than I would have thought of because I never even saw that I never even saw that way out. And I'm telling you, in my own life, it's happened over and over and over. It's happened. So you can just give the problem to Hashem and say, I need an answer. I need a way out. And then just make up this little song. Thanking him that he has it under control, thanking him that he's bringing you the answer. And this is a couple of things. One thing is it's getting you into the place of gratitude. It's building up your faith. It's taking care of your worries so that it's taking it off of your shoulders so that you're not going to be stressing over it anymore. And you're praising Hashem. And so it's doing quite several things there and as a result this comes off of you and you don't have that it's it's building up your simcha so you don't have that place that root that's going to get in there and be a place where you can be sick because it weakens you is it fair to say that stress and aches and worries are actually a spiritual disconnect from Hashem and instead of focusing on our immediate issues, a way of healing ourselves is to get back in right connection with Him. Yes, I think that this is basically what I'm talking about right now. And I'm, I'm, I outlined the problem of worry and all these things takes us away. And you're exactly right that it is a spiritual disconnect from Hashem because we're taking these things on ourselves instead of turning to him and this is this opens a door to all kinds of nasty things that can happen to us and instead we should be looking to him and giving those things to him let's face it life is tough life is really rough we have a lot of challenges in life but that's what we're here for it's to build our souls and it's to build that relationship of connection to him through the rough times and we can look at and here's another thing if you look at those things where you're weak if you look at those things where you're challenged as being vessels through which you can connect with Hashem hey that just turns them from negative into positive and we can do that it takes work but that's exactly what we're supposed to do this is what's handed to us in order for us to work on it we can turn those things around and we can build those things into vessels through which his light can shine through us into the world and this is healing for us and it's also healing for all of those around us and ultimately for all of creation so that's our task does that make sense
You just kind of have to think about it a little bit. Just practice it too. And there are times where we go through some really low periods in our lives. It's really a challenge to do all of this. But coming out of those low times is exactly this is how we have to do it. You know, instead of turning to the chocolate and the cookies and, you know, all of that, that we can turn to Hashem and spend those times praying crying if we have to but ending up with thanking him for taking care of the problem and singing our own little song and it really does work it really does make a difference in our lives it makes a big difference it really is life changing And so that's basically what Rebbe Nachman is talking about, about restoring that joy, restoring the simcha. Because we're restoring that relationship with Hashem that leaves us, if it's broken, it leaves us vulnerable in the world. Now, before, you know, in one of our classes, I'm going to talk about exactly a little bit more in detail exactly what happened at the temple when the priest would um, have the Levites sing and they would have the music change as the person bringing the sacrifice was going through the process of tshuva and the music would change so I'm going to read about that in one of our classes not right now of course because our class is almost over but this is going to be something that I'm going to go into in, in one of our future classes. It's really an interesting uh, study about what the priests exactly did do in the temple. And it did involve music. And so that's why I'm encouraging you to kind of make up a tune of your own and, and sing, this, sing something to Hashem. Or if you can't sing it, kind of chant it or something something where it's uh, uplifting or if you can't think of the words just kind of hum a tune or something but music is really important it's like the pulses of the that the beggar without hands was talking about those ten pulses the song it's really important the melody so you just kind of make one up even and in fact there the one called nigun is a melody without words. So sometimes what's going on inside of us is beyond words. Sometimes you have a deep sorrow or sometimes you have a great joy. And it's beyond words. And so you just kind of make up this tune. And it doesn't even have to be something you already knew. Just something that you make up. And you can just kind of hum it. Have you ever had times where you had a prayer that you wanted to pray and you, it was beyond words and you just couldn't think how to say it, how to put it into words. Have you ever had that happen? What do you do when you have something that you want to pray, something you want to express 
That's beyond words. What do you do with that? Does anybody know? What do you do when you have an ex something that you want to express to Hashem? You want to express a joy. That's good. Exactly. You want to express this joy of, of praising Hashem and you can't think of any words. It's beyond words. You know, this is really, really high. It's really, really high when your soul is just soaring up. It's beyond words. So this is something where this nigun comes in. Where we can just sing a song without words. You can even pray a prayer without words. It can just be like feeling. It can be reaching up. It can be visualizations or, or pictures. No, it's um, nigun. It's a lot of times around Hasidic tables on Shabbat. They'll sing a nigun, and somebody will just start humming or start, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They'll start singing a song without words, and this is a nigun. And so this is what we do when we want to express something to Hashem beyond words. Okay, thank you for joining me tonight, and I'm going to end the class, and I look forward to seeing all of you next week.